0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Car Park Combos podcast by Surfers for Climate. Because change starts with a conversation. This episode is a conversation about what happens in the boardrooms of some of Australia's biggest companies and introduces you to the absolute legend who is leading the way. This legend is Bruno Bryan, who is the executive director of the Australasian Centre for Corporate Responsibility the ACCR, which is a research and shareholder advocacy organization that engages with investors on how listed companies, industry associations, and other entities are managing things like climate, labor, human rights, and governance issues. I got to know Bryn when we were working on the fight for the bite in Norway at the Equinor AGM specifically, and it was there where I learned so much about this fascinating space, Bryn also happens to be an avid body surfer and water person in her own rights as well, and I can't thank her enough for jumping on the podcast with me. Enjoy this episode, and if you want to learn more about the ACCR, then follow the links in the show notes, and make sure you give them a follow on Instagram. They've just joined up there, and they're doing a really great job of it. Enjoy. Well, to the sounds of black cockatoos screeching in the background as I hit record, welcome to the Car Park Convos podcast. Bruno O'Brien from the Australian Centre for Corporate Responsibility. Did I get all that right?
1: Australasian Centre, Josh. Oh, Australasian. Corporate responsibility. You can't forget New Zealand.
0: Can't. Where are they again? They're just off the East Coast there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm stoked because you and I have had the good fortune to spend a bit of time together in your field of work. Um, we fought the good fight over in Norway a little while ago, but before we go back into the history books and learn a little bit more about what happens with the Australasian Centre for Corporate Responsibility, um, where are you joining us from? I'm coming from Yamaji country on in Midwest WA, so where, where are you coming from and what's your local beach there?
1: Yeah, I'm coming from Gerringer um, Country in the Shoalhaven region of New South Wales. So my local beach is Culborough uh, Beach and Warrain Beach.
0: Nice. And when was your last uh, engagement or surf or wave experience uh, down your way?
1: Oh, um, had um, I actually have been doing finally my uh, refreshing my bronze. Like I did my bronze medallion. Oh. Um, like 25 years ago and then kind of was lifeguard for a long time and then let it lapse. And um, my partner who's from Norway, not from Australia, he wanted to do it. So um, we've been in the in the surf a bit but but not surfing, you know, like doing
0: yeah.
1: surf rescue things. Um, so, you know, we've been in pretty regularly but we passed our bronze last weekend so pretty pumped. Oh, that. Congratulations. Get the back on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and is that with Calborough Surf Club then? Is no, that, no uh, that's the with Jerengong.
1: That one with Jezzard.
0: Jerengong.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Nice, nice. Now, last time we hung out, you were you were closer to is it are you in the same place where where I come and had dinner with you a while back? Is that where you're at or you have you moved no, further, further south?
1: Further south, further south. Wowzers. Yeah.
0: And what a stunning place. Is there any connection in that region to the to the bushfires of a couple of summers ago? Is that in that kind of yeah. zone?
1: yeah so basically uh all the towns like around here Kalbara carrong kalala, they got um, one of those you know too late to leave um oh. orders but um and so the fire really burned all around the um the, the fire kind of came up towards um South Nowra and east Nara, but it it stopped um at the the national park just before where we are, so Certainly a region very affected by the fires, but um, this particular town wasn't wasn't hit by them. But, you know, you can still, people are still, we've got the big La Nina on on the east coast at the moment and mm. um, people are still very grateful that we're not in really hot weather um, and that there's a lot of moisture around.
0: Mm. It's um, it's a double-edged sword, I'm sure, people, because hasn't um Sydney been a bit undated and there's been a lot of rain up on the, up up a bit further north than you? But, you know, like it's kind of either one thing or the other, isn't it, these La Ninas and El Ninos? You know, like it's a tough old um, cycle we find ourselves in.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, people are, you know, really paying attention to it now. It's one of those, you know, one of those things that allows you to start kind of opening the door to conversations with people about the changing climate as well. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, yeah, I think it's kind of a matter of time until we're in those really hot summers again. So that's that's a pretty terrifying prospect. Um, but, you know, but here we are, it's 2021, 20, it's almost 2022, and mm. um, and that's what we're going to be living with
0: exactly exactly now let's dive into the work that you do because i was um i was pretty impressed with it in my experience when we were over in norway and we were were making some noise at the equinor agm and you know you were you were pretty um what's the word you were just you were kind of like herding cats a little bit it felt like which was really fun like you were kind of like making sure the speeches were hit the right tone. you everybody was talking about how they were going to deliver this that and the other so in the end, you know, you spoke. About, uh, did you speak? At that? Yeah, you did speak, didn't you? And Britt and your your partner um, spoke as well and we also had Heath Josky. Like there was a whole spread of us who spoke there. Yeah. Um, we had a result. Like what 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 is this work that you do and, and why does it matter in the bigger picture of climate action when it comes to the corporates out there?
1: Yeah, so what, what we do, so ACCR, we hold shares in the kinds of companies That we need to change, that we need to transform, in order to have a safe planet. So we hold shares in companies like Equinor. So that's why, of course, we were in Norway. The Equinor AGM. Um, We 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 hold companies. Sorry, shares in companies like that. So like the Australian equivalent. So we've got you know Woodside, Santos, BHP, Origin Energy, AGL, like those kinds of big, heavy emitting companies, and we hold those shares. So that we can access the rights and the power afforded to shareholders under the corporations Act to try to change those companies, so it's like you know it's a bit of a a bit of a you know an interesting technique that if if the the single kind of data data set that you had about me was my share portfolio, which of course my personal share portfolio, which contains um, you know the, the the kinds of stocks that I've just listed, the, the really heavy polluting stocks. You'd probably think I was a psychopath that wanted the planet <laughs> to burn, and also probably a really bad investor. Like you know, yeah. these stocks are performing below the market on average, like well below the market over years, and some yeah. of them have lost like you know, AGL's lost like 70 percent of its value over the last few years. So, um, so we hold those stocks, um, and we go in and or we we. We cover them, so we, we understand those businesses really well, and we go in uh, and meet on a regular basis with the executives and, um, in some cases, the board members of those companies, and we have conversations with them about the need to decarbonize and to do so rapidly. Um, and then when we can't get an outcome through conversations and, you know, surprise, surprise, they usually don't um, respond to kind of, you know, polite conversations. Then we mm-hmm. use the formal power, powers that shareholders have. So that's like filing a shareholder resolution. Um, there's a section of the, the Corporations Act that um, that allows us to do that with 100 shareholders. So 100 shareholders or shareholders holding five percent of a company can put a put an item on the agenda of a company's AGM for discussion. So what we did in um, in Norway was we all you know we all turned up and we asked some questions. And we made some speeches and we tried to put pressure on the company kind of, you know, and we and we used that moment as a kind of piece of theatre, really, to kind of ratchet up that pressure on the company. But also on the agenda at that meeting were a couple of shareholder resolutions. One was filed by Greenpeace and WWF. Another one, I think, was filed by uh, Follow This, which is an organisation very much like ACCR, but headquartered in the Netherlands. And... Um, And those resolutions were voted on. Um, Now the Norwegian government owns the majority of shares in in Equinor and so the resolutions weren't successful Um, but they you know that combined effort of the kind of AGM theatre, asking questions, political strategy, resolution strategy you know obviously put enough pressure on that company to change course. So that was a really long way of saying like we we to come back to the point we have to change these companies we don't have an option of letting you know woodside just keep expanding fossil fuels production and selling fossil fuels to be burned that those actions are totally incompatible with a safe climate and a safe planet and so what what we do is we we use those shareholder powers to make that to make that claim to make that demand and when we're doing that we're talking to um, other investors in the company. So in, you know, in Equinor's case, the major investor is the Norwegian government, but in Woodside's case, um, the, the major investors are the big passive asset management firms like BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street. So we go and talk to all of them as well and we say to them, mm. you guys have made commitments to the Paris Agreement, you've said that you care about a safe planet and, in fact, you're only going to make money... If you know civilization keeps functioning in the way that we're used to it functioning, um, mm. they are on a temperature trajectory at the moment where you know civilization will not continue to function in this way. So you're not going to make money. I mean, that's not the worst problem, but that's that's what black, you know the black rocks of the world care about. Um, mm. So we say to them, look, you actually have power. So if you hold you know five percent of a company, then you're responsible for voting. The, that five percent of shares at a company's AGM, and you can you can vote for change. And so we present the opportunity for change, and then ask um, and we with our one hundred shareholders present that opportunity, and then we go to the asset owners and the asset managers out there in the world, the trillions of dollars of capital under under management, and we say, you know, back this in. It it is time for this company to change.
0: It's funny you mentioned BlackRock. I I remember coming across a few articles from there, either chairman or CEO. Is it Larry Fink?
1: Is that yeah?
0: He's um, the chairman and CEO. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Okay, so I got both right. But you know, I've I've read some beautiful words by him about the need for change and the future that we need, and blah blah blah. But you know, at the same time, these guys they still hold on to these shares. So you know, what is that? Is is all that stuff I've been reading from him just greenwash, or or is it actually legitimate? Like, is there a legitimate aspiration within a, a big um, you know, investor like BlackRock to change the world? Do you um, feel like it's
1: legit? I think it's at this moment in time, it's mostly greenwash. Um yeah. I, I would say I would say um to be fair to BlackRock, it's it does much better than any of the other major passive asset managers. So it, yeah. it is it is much better than than its peers, both in words and in actions. Um but um like, we don't have a choice. Like, BlackRock now, we, we must demand that BlackRock transforms these companies. Like, they're, they're basically their most important stakeholder for a lot of these companies. Yeah. The asset managers are their most important stakeholders, most important shareholders. And not only do they kind of have to listen to them, but they also have real power, like actual real voting rights, you know, they have rights right. to, to to influence the decisions and the trajectory of companies. And they have the one of the most powerful rights that they have is to um, vote on the appointment and removal of directors. And that's mm. like board directors. And I think that's where we're we're seeing, you know, the the you know, our, our activism will inevitably move in that direction for personal accountability for board directors that are overseeing actions that are incompatible with our future. <laughs>
0: There's going to be a few old white men worried about this conversation. Is this, um, we better make sure we um, <laughs> protect ourselves from their wrath. Um, wow. It's um, it, There's a lot of them on there, isn't there? And it seems like there's a generation there. Is it a generational thing though? Do, do you think these directors who currently possess it, is it a generational kind of disconnection with the realities of what we're facing?
1: Absolutely. Um, hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's generational, It's relates to immense wealth and privilege and um, the Australian kind of company director's um, scene is very small, like the, yeah. the, the talent is very shallow. Um, they all know each other. They're often serving on multiple boards together. There's a kind yeah. of chumminess and a clubbiness to it that is actually acts against the interests of the companies whose boards they sit on and the interests of their shareholders a a, a lot of the time. Um, And, like, yes, um, there are a lot of old white men who are pretty stressed out about the kind of work we do.
0: (laughs) That's fun. Uh, that's a lot of fun.
1: It's um, and and I, I guess
0: like, what's the challenges that you face though in your work? Because you know, it sounds like great work from the outside looking in. But what's the pain points for you in in making this kind of grow and increase your own impact um, along the way? Where does where's the bottleneck?
1: Um, well, there's a few. There's a really practical one. Like we need 100 shareholders uh, in each company that we engage with in order to be able to access the power of kind of shareholder resolutions and the, the formal rights. So if there are any of your listeners that that hold um, or wish to hold energy-intensive Australian stocks, um, then, you know, get in touch, accr.org.au. Um, that's how, That's my plug for the day. Um, and that's if- fine,
0: though. But on that question, though, I just want to dive into that because how many companies would there be, like, do you have like a ballpark of the number of companies that you would need you know, an individual to buy one share in—is it like a hundred companies? Is it fifty companies? Like, how many in Australia are you targeting at the moment?
1: Ah, uh, well, um, look, there's about—I think it's about fifteen on our really kind of hardcore um, engagement list. Um, yeah, obviously, okay. every com- company needs to change, but but there's about fifteen of the really emissions-intensive, high-impact companies where there is the possibility of decarbonisation and know for one reason or another like whether it's just you know profit making um and and an, an inability to imagine change um mm. or it's just a really crappy regulatory environment that kind of acts against change in in this country um that you know then they're, they're not moving so there, there's that mm. list but, we, but fortunately we have you know a lot of that list covered so we you know we do have a hundred shareholders in a bunch of companies and we're always looking for Top up shareholders, but we wouldn't. Um, you know, it, there, there's you know two or three, I guess on our on our watch list that we don't have enough shareholders in. Um, and um, you know, if you get in touch with us, then then we can we can let you know uh, which ones they are. But look, if you if you're out there and you just and you already hold these stocks, and I imagine you know there'll be you know your list you will have some listeners like who have. You know uh, somehow either they've just built it up over time or they've inherited it from somebody they've got a mm. portfolio of holdings and so they might hold BHP and Westpac and Woolworths and you know that just those iconic Australian stocks um mm. that power is just kind of sitting there um so if you do already hold them then that's kind of the ideal situation all you need to come and do is like let us know Sign up to our agency agreement and just give us the power to file shareholder resolutions on your behalf. Um, so that's most of most of the people who uh, are are in our community are people who um, who held held um, shares in listed companies and found out about us through one way or another. It might be their financial advisor got really good relationships with a bunch of financial advisors around the country. Um, it might just be word of mouth. They might have seen an ACCR ad on you know, in Instagram or in the Saturday Paper or in The Guardian or something. Um, and they and they've come to our website and and signed up. So most people, you know, that we in our community are like long-term shareholders. Um, and it's just that matter of um, you know, uh becoming one of our our co-filers.
0: Hmm. It sounds like a cool club to be in, I must say. Like it's um and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of uh, barriers to entry if you already hold some shares you can just kind of take that next step it seems pretty pain-free I recently yeah. switched my super and that was a bloody easy thing to do as well so some of these some of these things that have big impacts I think it's funny to dive into and realize that they are actually very simple steps that you can take as an individual um, yeah for sure so yeah really cool to to hear that about um, I was gonna ask you like in your experience with um, with this work and this space like. What's one of the kind of um high points for you that you you kind of look at that keeps you kind of inspired when you're in darker you know I'm sure there's a lot of dark moments in your work where you kind of yeah. might feel like you're bashing your head against a brick wall a few times but what are the what are the hope points or the, the most hopeful moment that you kind of refer to when you're in a in a dark place with it all
1: Oh um well good question um I don't know if the moments of hope really like Necessarily come through my work. I mean, we can certainly see change. Um, uh, we can see progress, and 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 on balance, you know, we're winning. But the problem with atmospheric atmospheric physics is that winning slowly is losing. Right? We have a we, we we're heading in the we're now heading in the right direction in large part, but um, we we're, we're moving far too slowly. And mm. you know, every ton of carbon counts at this point in time. Um, and there's just so much waste. There's just so much waste of our carbon budget that's going on. It's you know it's pretty kind of depressing. I would say like the the things that give me that, that give me hope are like you know uh, youth, um, you know the youth climate movement, um, and and you know kids just being like way smarter and um, way way more kind of. They know they're fighting for their lives, right? Like that's that's. You talk to like seventeen-year-olds or or twenty-year-olds about this stuff, and they a lot of them really get it. Like they they understand it, and they understand that you know they're they're facing a really like challenging and challenged future. Um, if we don't dramatically change course, so that's one thing I think. Like, oh, like First Nations communities as well, um, here and around the world, just like. You know, fighting um, uh, is just really, you know, really some of our most, um, you know, in- impressive um, climate leaders in in Australia are, are First Nations people. There's this new thing that's been set up, um, uh, just launched in the last couple of months, called um, I think it's called the First Nations Clean Energy Network, which is yeah, like, yeah. That, like super rad um, and um, and inspiring. Uh, to be honest, it's really like taking power and Ownership of this energy transition um, under First Nations leadership. And that's that's really cool. Um, so, so those are the kinds of things that give give me hope. In terms of the, like I spend a lot of time talking to um, frankly, like very educated, very wealthy people and in institutions who know better and don't take the action that they that they need to take. And it's it's pretty. Hard and sad work sometimes. When you when you talk to um, talk to a massive asset management firm, I was talking to one uh, just a couple of weeks back, and we were commenting on a you know this this company's policy that you know a new policy that asked us to comment on. And we asked the question, but so this policy, we can see that it's progress from where you were before, but. This policy doesn't have a temperature kind of alignment component. So, what level of, you know, what level of warming does this policy kind of sit over the top of? And they were like, Oh, you know, could be two degrees, could be three. We're kind of agnostic on the, on the temperature increase. And like that, that, <laughs> that yeah, totally. Right. And you're like, Do you know what that means? Like, do you know what three degrees actually means? Do you know what two degrees means for, you know, for all of us, but in particular, like for the Pacific, for like, for For the Torres Strait, like for cultures and people whose lives are important and and valuable, you know? so so I spend a lot of time talking to, yeah, rich, educated people who have power, and that's the saddest thing about it. They have real power, actual power, formal legal power, real economic power to do something. and, you know, they they don't and and the institutions don't and it, you know ultimately it's not a matter of individuals and, and I mean unless you're the CEO and chair of BlackRock right then it, what you do as an individual does matter um, or a very senior executive in one of those firms but mm. you know it, it's it's big institutions and um, uh, yeah not to, not look we but I should say, say Josh I mean I'm always pretty grim about this stuff um, and the reason that I'm grim about it is because like I live in the kind of investment space, but what counts is carbon. Like what the, mm. the way that we measure ourselves, the way that we will all, every single one of us, measure our impact is tons of carbon kept in the ground or contribution to carbon kept in the ground and mm. not burned. And that's it's a pretty um, it's a pretty brutal yardstick at the moment.
0: Mm it's um it's interesting just on that that it's kind of very flippant what that uh what that investor was saying like oh yeah we're agnostic to a to the different yeah. degrees of of warming it's like you yeah. don't like it's lip service really isn't it like a policy development with that frame and that basis it's um it well, it's seems like it's a bit like, of lip service i guess yeah. misses the
1: point like it's also yeah. really boneheaded you know like you're like yeah even doing your job at this point unless exactly. you're nothing like you're not you're not even doing a job so <laughs> that's you can hear interesting my rage, right? i've got a lot of oh yeah Ken, and that's
0: why i wanted this podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> how yeah. do
0: you extend your rage though you know because uh-huh. i know that i've seen you in action and you do keep a very professional demeanor in these settings like i before yeah. we got to the agm you know, we were hanging, just cruising. You know, talking some shit. You know, like having good yarns. And then, as soon as it became the day of the AGM, there was this brin that was just like, "Oh, okay, this is I was a." Busting everyone I around. This one. Yeah, but <laughs> like, bossing. it's cool because. But how yeah. do you get rid of your rage? Like, what do you do to to manage that? because uh, well, like, like, I assume you're getting very frustrated often.
1: Well, so my rage is very, very motivating. Like, some people are motivated by hope. I'm motivated by hope sometimes, but like, or like, I'm inspired by, like other people's work often um Mm. and but like rage is very motivating for me like I can you know get up out of bed and be like all right I'm going to take it to these people and these institutions who um who are who are doing things that are so terribly wrong and unnecessary at this moment in time Mm. so Mm. so that's that's motivating but in terms of you know I I'm also like a huge um like nature nerd so like I love um like nature's just so strange and incredible and being out in nature is just a, a way that to kind of remind myself of why like like rage is kind of how I do my my work but like beauty and joy are a why um mm. and um yeah so but no but I thrash it out in the in the ocean like. Getting sweet barrels um, with a hand, <laughs> hand and um, a pair of pins, man. Like that's what yes. I do.
0: Yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's funny that um, that that space that we all have as surfers, you know, like it is where I. I. It's definitely a spot where you can expend your rage, but it's also this spot that you love at the same time. It's such an interesting space, you know. Like it's like a punching bag, but also a pillow. It's really. Have you, yeah, it's have really you funny. Have any
1: other like body surfing nerds on your podcast?
0: Not yet. No, you're the first one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I count. I'd count myself as a body surfing nerd to an extent as well, and I know Belinda doesn't mind it either. So we're kind of we're all part of the same club. Um, yeah. But you know, tell tell me what. Like, let's let's kind of finish on a positive note about this space because um, I think that you've definitely got the message across. If anyone who's listening to this doesn't understand, <laughs> but Bryn needs more. You know, if you want to get involved by owning one share in a shitty company. You know, you can create your own shit folio by the sounds of things. So, you know, you can talk to Bryn about a shit folio yeah. and then we can um, get some action there. But um, let's talk about that space that you love and, you know, expend yeah. your rage. What's it, What's What's this body surfing experience like to you? And we're going to finish on your words, all right?
1: Okay. So I I just love it. So basically I grew up on the south coast, a little bit north of where I am now. Um you know, in the, kind of in the surf club, but also body surfing. And I gave, um, bodyboarding a crack and I gave surfboarding a crack and like, I'm pretty kind of rubbish at them. Um, like, you know, I'll longboard if the surf's really small, but get, like gets above about two feet. And I'm like, just give, just, get me in the, you know, in the barrel um, and, I, and I can't achieve that on a surfboard. <laughs> so, um, so no, I've just been a, I like made the call when I was just in my teens. I was like, you know what? I just actually love body surfing. This is what I, what I do. And it took, you know, and I, so, you know, the essential ingredient of body surfing is the body, um, but you, it's very much enhanced by a good set of fins and, um, and a hand plane. If you, if you want to go that far um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's the best. So, you, you know, you can never have an unfun body surf. Like you can have a frustrating surf, right? But you can't have a frustrating body surf. I just don't think anyone's ever had a frustrating body surf. Like just in the wave, in the ocean, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's so nice. Um, and the water's getting warm here right now, which is, which is great. Um, and so I can peel the wetsuit off finally um because you know just the the swimmer's body surf is the ultimate body surf the pure body surf um but yeah it's it's awesome